Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're going to go right to the Word this morning in a few minutes that I have with you. I'd like you to turn to Romans 15, verse 13. If you have your Bible, turn right there, Romans 15, 13. This is the text that we're looking at, actually doing eight messages out of this particular verse in the Bible. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. The name of our series is The X Factor, referring to expectations in our life. And this verse I've chosen to actually delve into to bring those expectations out. Now may the God of hope fill you. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say, fill you? So we're talking about You individually being touched by the Holy Spirit and being filled with an expectation that would change your life. That He might fill you with all joy and peace, which is really the fruit of a person who has great expectations, is joy and peace. In believing, everyone say out loud, in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This verse translates translates out in paraphrase as follows, Romans 15, 13. We're looking at the one phrase this morning out of the verse, believing you may abound in hope. If you're taking notes or if you'd like to log your materials or keep track of what I'm doing, we're talking about the means of expectation is believing. That's the name of this message. This is actually part two of that message called Nine Believing Hard Expectations, which I'm going to give you this morning. But the piece that we're looking at is believing you may abound in hope. Now, the other translation says, so that your believing lives. I like this translation because it's very close to what I think literally the verse is after, that a person can have belief in them, but a belief that's dead. That is, they're not progressing, they're not really moving on, uh, something has closed them down. They're believing their heart of anticipation, their heart of expectation, hope, that heart that reaches out in faith to accomplish, do, go, whatever it might be, achieve, uh, see, dream, that part of them had died. And so the apostle here says, so that your believing lives. So a resurrection needs to take place in some people's hearts or some compartments of that heart where that faith inside of you begins to live again with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit. The only way anything will live inside of you and I is if the Holy Spirit moves in us and brings that spirit of resurrection. Believing results in a year, and this is what I'm hoping will happen to all of those who listen to this series, super abounding in the fullness of new expectations. Now, you could be a person who is living more or less on past expectations, but they've served you well. That's awesome. Expectations that you've had You've articulated, you've dreamed, you've reached, and you achieved. That's awesome. And you're living on the fruit of the joy and the peace of mind that you did your best to accomplish the best that God has for your life. And so you're living on that joy, that fulfillment, and that peace. That's awesome. You could be sitting there right now and not have the joy, peace, and the fruit of achieving or having that kind of expectation. And maybe you're a little empty. Or maybe you have very few expectations. I'm hoping, again, that you would superabound in the fullness of new 
expectation. No matter what age you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you have already accomplished, if you're a teenager thinking about just going into college and your whole life is in front of you, and it seems like you can dream forever, or if you're in college and you're graduating and your career is going to start and you got just the job you wanted and your whole life is before you and your dreams are coming to pass and you are so excited about that new job, or you're a person that has lived through a job or five jobs and you're coming to the end of the job career and into the beginnings of retirement and all the things you've dreamt about, some happened, some didn't, but you're coming to that age and that era of your life where a lot of those achievements have been accomplished in the natural realm. And so you're sitting there thinking about, okay, what about the next five years, 10, 20, 30? What would I do if I retire from this job? What else would there be for me? If I finish this career, it really wasn't that satisfying. There could have been more. What else could I give my life to? If I had it to do over again, Would I give myself more to this, more to this? Maybe I still could. What about that missionary trip you never took? What about that country you never visited? What about that orphanage you never got to paint the walls at? What about that place where you never got to hug those children and really minister to them? What about those things you always wanted to do but never got around to? Wanted to visit an Indian reservation. Wanted to visit... uh, New York City, wanted to visit San Francisco, wanted to go to this kind of a mission, wanted to go to the Dream Center down in L.A., wanted to see what's going on with young people in the world. What is it that if you had to stop and just shift your gears and expect that you could do that, you would write it down and say, you know, I still have some expectations. I would still like to do this, do this, visit there, help there. I've always wanted to be a counselor of young women, but I've never been trained, didn't go to college. But you know what? There's a lot of room. For counseling young women in today's world. There's all kinds of situations you could be involved with. Right here at City Bible Church and outside of City Bible Church. We have situations where we could put you in contact with the right people. Without the uh, education that you think you might need. Just if you have a mother's heart. And you have the ability to have compassion and empathy. And sit down with people and follow good guidelines. You could pour your life into those young women. Don't cancel yourself out. Because you haven't done the things you've thought about. I want you to superabound. I want you to have more desire than you can achieve. I want you to see more than you could ever possibly accomplish. Because if you shoot for the stars, you'll hit the trees. Shoot for the trees, you might shoot yourself on the foot. And so you've got to go higher in order to go further. And to go higher, you've got to see more and you've got to expect more. And that's what this is all about. Believing that God still has some great things for your life. The word believing means to have absolute trust in the words of another, have firm conviction, dependable, faithful, credible, trustworthy would describe a person that I would have trust in and the person that I would rely on. That person in my life would be Jesus Christ. The words that I trust in that are credible and trustworthy, dependable in every season of life is the word of God. So my relationship to Jesus, my relationship to the Word, my relationship to principles from that Word are the guidelines to my life. They are dependable. They are trustworthy. I believe in these principles. I believe in these words no matter what comes my way. Last message, we talked about suffering from the numb heart syndrome. Now, when a person needs to have a believing heart, sometimes 
as you dig into that, there are times when believing is difficult. There are times when believing is not there. Expectation is not there. The, the life of the inner world is not alive with a lot of reach and a lot of joy and a lot of peace and a lot of faith and a lot, a lot, a lot. Of. It happens to be maybe a little, well, the Bible talks about a numb heart. The numb heart we use is from the life of Jacob, losing his son Joseph. When he was an aged man, Joseph was the apple of his eye, the coat of many colors, the child that he heard the dreams about, the child that he banked everything on was stolen from him. He actually thought the child died. And what happened, whatever Joseph might represent to you, that great dream, that great thing, that great whatever, and as it was taken from Jacob, something shut down in Jacob. Something in this old man's heart stopped. And that's what the Bible says. His heart stopped. It became literally, in the Hebrew, numb. A numb heart is when you go through things in life, and they can be seasonal things, can grow, the numbness can grow in certain compartments of the heart where you can't believe for a certain thing anymore. A woman who's been barren for many years and people keep telling you, you will have a child or this will happen. After a while, you become numb to their prayers. A person who has sickness and wants to be healed, after a while they can become numb to all the people giving them scriptures and giving them prayers and prophecies and it will happen and this is going to happen. After a while you're numb. Maybe you don't have the response that they're looking for. When you have a prodigal child and you come to the altar and everyone prays for you and cries for you, there comes a time when you can't cry anymore and you might even look a little hard-hearted. You might even look like you don't care that much. People might even rebuke you because of the way you look and say, aren't you concerned for your child? We're weeping and praying and you're just standing there like a piece of stone because they have been prayed out, cried out, hoped out, expected out. There's nothing left in them to grab a hold of. And so when someone says something to them, that part of them is numb. It's embarrassing, but it's numb. They can't go there. And so they have shut down. And that could be in any arena of life like Jacob. He was shut down. His heart became numb and he could not believe. Now that's what happens sometimes in believers' lives when it comes to finance and relationships. And again, if if you've gone through a a divorce situation and, and it was a nasty relationship and there was all kinds of bad stuff involved and you finally got out of the marriage and, uh, you know, we don't endorse Divorce, but we understand divorce, we understand abuse, we understand what happens. And so we work with people that that can no longer work in their marriage. And it's difficult for everybody because we try to help them pick up the pieces and try to help their life go back. It's very difficult to say to a person who's been through a divorce in just a while, well, you know what? God will give you someone else. They're numb to that. You know what? You can just marry again. Numb. I don't want to marry again. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to even see another person to date. I don't even want to go there. They're numb to that. The hurt, the disappointment, whatever it might be, in the finance, in the relationships, and in any area of life, your dream. You start off with great prophetic vision, only to hit great prophetic storm, only to hit great prophetic discouragement, and before you know it, you don't want to talk about that dream anymore. You don't want to bring up all the words. You don't even want to go to a small group that someone might even ask you about it. You don't show up for the equipping classes about that because you're afraid it might not work. Might not work. Am I preaching to anybody here? Can I see your hands? How many have ever gone through a numbness? We all have. 
Okay, prayer of a believing heart. Pray this with me out loud, please. Everyone, here you go. Remove from my heart all hardness, indifference, or deadness. Fill my heart with a new trust and confidence to believe your word at all times. Today, I move to a larger place. Leaving the smallness behind, I choose to have a more than enough of new expectations. A believing heart is a heart that has to be full of something. Now, what I'm obviously after, and any Bible teacher, preacher, or prayer would be after, is that you would be full of the energy and the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can resurrect your heart. The Holy Spirit can enlarge your vision. The Holy Spirit can put his finger on exactly what you should be expecting right now. The Holy Spirit can lift up that part of your life that maybe has fallen down a little bit. So you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. My, my question to you, and I know the world uses this phrase, and I don't, I don't know how to get around it without sounding funny or rude or whatever, but I, I just have to say, then you cleanse your mind and we'll keep going. The world uses the phrase, what you're full of. And so whenever I talk about what you're full of, snickers and laughs and people say, I'm not full of that. Okay, we got rid of that. But I do want to talk about what are you full of? Because you can talk to a person in a few seconds, literally a couple minutes, a total stranger. And you can actually feel what they're full of. If they're full of bitterness, it doesn't take you long to start feeling it. You can hardly squeeze in a word edgewise because they're so filled with anger, resentment, and bitterness that they don't even care that you're a total stranger. And they'll just dump it all over you because that's what they're full of all the time. What they meditate on is how they live. It's how they walk and talk. That's how they smile. That's how... If a person is full of envy and jealousy, it only takes a few minutes before they start talking about someone else. They can't get into a conversation without putting someone else down about criticizing someone else about their life, something they don't even hardly know. They will find something to be envious and jealous about. Only takes a couple of minutes. You want to talk to someone who has a lack of respect for authority and they're full of that? It only takes a couple of minutes. Maybe five, maybe ten, maybe one meeting. A person who is a victim of blame shifting and abuse only takes one meeting with them for you to hear what everyone has done to their life. How everyone has mistreated me. How everyone has abused me. How everyone has taken advantage of me. And I am an absolute victim of this stupid world. Only takes a few minutes. And you know that they're full of that. If you're full of the wrong thing, your expectations are stuffed down inside of you so far. They can't breathe. They can't live. And they can't produce. So the real part of you that should be living and producing has no chance Because you're so stuffed full. The Bible talks about what a person can be full of. There's quite a few scriptures which I'm not going to actually go into because of so many of them. But the Bible talks about a person who's full of envy. a, A person who's full of jealousy. A person who's full of hypocrisy. A person who's full of poison. A person who's full of adultery. Talks about the eyes of adultery. A person who's full on the negative side. You can be filled with yourself. Filled with bitterness, filled with gossip, filled with envy and jealousy and adultery and Roman eyes and eyes that are never satisfied, a heart that's never satisfied, a life that's never satisfied, 
or you're like a dripping faucet, your words are always a little off color, always a little wrong, never really building people up. How many of you right now would say, I don't want to be known for being filled with all that weird stuff. I would like to be known as being filled with the energy of the Holy Spirit. Well, of course. But how many of you have ever experienced being filled a little bit with those other things? Why? Because the cap got off and those things got in. You got to bring it back. And that's what this message is all about. All right, now. Take down very quickly nine heart expectations everyone listening to this message should have. If you don't have them, you can easily access these into your life and move yourself forward. Nine believing heart expectations. Number one, and these are taken mainly just from the Gospels. I can't go wrong there. From the life of Jesus, can't go wrong there. And from the words of Jesus, can't go wrong there. Number one expectation a believing heart should have is a believing heart expects to receive whatever is needed. Now, you'll have to listen carefully to how I just apply these scriptures very quickly because I won't come back to these portions of scripture again during this series. We're going to have to just keep moving on. But I want you to hear these famous scriptures because they all have to do with an expecting heart. Matthew 8, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, remember the centurion has walked a few miles to meet Jesus, has left one of his servants sick, ready to die back at his house. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. As you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour instantly in another place. Now, this man had come to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, I have a situation and I need you to come and deal with it. Jesus said, you know, I don't, I don't need to go there. He says, I know that. I, I'm, I'm a man of authority. I understand when you say to someone, go here, they go, and etc. I know that. And I'm asking you, would you do this for me? And Jesus says, you've got great faith. But I don't need to go actually get involved with the situation. I can just send my word right over there and take care of it, right? Servant says, yeah. Jesus says, all right. Do you believe? Yeah, I, I, I believe. I mean, I understand authority. Jesus said, then go. Let go of it. Leave it behind and go your way. What do you mean? Let it go. You gave it to me. I'm supposed to take care of it, right? Yeah. Then go. And don't look back. What, ha- what happens if you don't take care of it? Well, I thought you believed. I do, but I need to be involved with the answer. I need, I need, I need to see you lay hands on the person. I need to be there when it happens. I, I need to uh, pray all the way home. I need, I need to do, I can't just go. She says, yeah. A believing heart will let go of the situations and let Jesus in and solve them totally with total joy and total peace. They have the ability to let go. Let go. 
Our problem is we don't like to let go of anything. We like to be involved with every answer of prayer. And if Jesus is not doing it quick enough, we hurry things up. If we're witnessing to someone, we hurry it up. If we're praying for healing, we hurry it up. If we don't see God's hand in it, we put our hand in it and say, it's God. Yeah, God's hand is in it. It's right there. That's your hand. Well, it kind of is, it kind of ain't. That's God and me. God says, hey, you know, get your hand out of it, Frank. No, I've got to be involved. No, as you go, come on, say it with me. As you go, message translation says, then Jesus turned to the captain and said, hey, go. What you believed could happen has happened. At that moment, the servant was healed. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just say to them, go. Now turn to your other neighbor and add one more word to it. Let. Let go. Now everyone shout out loud. Get out of it. Go your way. Let it go. Believe that Jesus can do it. Without me. Amen. That's a great heart of believing that doesn't stress itself out. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just said, I just said, she says, just go, will you? No, yeah, I will. I believe, I believe, but I need to see it happen. Just go. I can't just go, Jesus. I'll follow you for a while. I got to know that you're going to do this. Just go. Number two. A believing heart expects to see possible in all possibilities. Another famous verse. Mark 9, 23. You know the verse. Now listen. A believing heart sees, and I want you just to note the word possible. And Jesus said to him, if, everyone say if. If you can believe, all things are what? All things are what? To him who what? Now this verse can either bless your socks off, or this verse can cause you a whole lot of trouble. Because the verse reads, If you can believe, anything is possible. So then you move into a situation. Praying for someone who has a terminal disease. Praying for a marriage that's on the last leg before it wrecks. Praying for a prodigal child right before they come back. Praying for a business as you see all the numbers are coming in and nothing is looking right and it's going to go into bankruptcy. Praying for, I mean, we'd outline a number of things in our life that maybe we would need to pray for. And we turn to the Bible and it says, now, if you can believe, come on, Jesus, I believe. Well, if you can believe, I believe. And because I believe, I speak to this situation and I turn it around. And to find out later, it doesn't turn. It doesn't happen. Now, either God is a liar, which is impossible. Or the Bible is a tricky book that nobody can understand, which is not true. Or you have no faith, which is also not true. But the devil comes along and beats you up in all three. God doesn't keep his word. 
You don't have faith. And the Bible doesn't mean what it says. You start losing ground. You can't pray for the hard case. You can't believe for the hard thing. You can't go there. You can't say that. When someone else brings it up, something comes all over you and you just want to react. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the attitude of a believing heart simply is this. It's possible. It's possible. It could happen. Well, do you believe Jesus is going to heal so-and-so of that disease? It's possible. And it could happen. It doesn't mean every time it does happen. doesn't mean that I'm in control if it doesn't or it doesn't happen. It doesn't mean if I would fast 300 more days, I would seal the miracle because I believe. It doesn't mean that. You might as well flog yourself like the old priest during the Reformation, climbing up the stairs, shedding their own blood, quoting scriptures to try to get themselves into a realm of redemption because they had to pay the price. There was not enough suffering. They had to suffer themselves. So it is when it comes to the hard cases, we got to flog ourselves with more prayer and more fasting and more agreement and more. And I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying you do all of those things. You pray, you fast, you speak to the mountain, you believe God, you confess the right thing. But when it's all said and done, what you're doing as a believing heart is saying it's possible. And I leave the possible in the hands of God. If not, you will go dingy. You'll lose it. Or your faith will be no more. Because you can't control the impossible. can't control it. Now, I would pray for a lot of impossible situations. With the heart that sees, with God, anything is possible. Does God heal every person every time? No. But there's another side to that called resurrection. If you're not healed now, you will be healed. If you die a little bit prematurely, you're only just a little bit ahead of me. And everyone else my age. We're not going to live forever in the flesh no matter what happens unless we go through the resurrection or the rapture or the second coming of Christ. So we might go a little sooner or live a few years longer. When you get to be 50, 60, 70, a few years, doesn't matter anyway. You realize time is nothing. It's just here and it's gone. And unless there's an eternity, this whole thing is pretty much a wreck. But because there is an eternity, whether God chooses to do it this way or that way, a resurrection or second coming, a rapture or caught up in the sky, however it happens, blessed be the name of the Lord. And with that, you have a heart of belief instead of demand. I demand that you move this impossible to the possible. Jesus says, I I have more things going on here than you can see, Frank. I don't care. I don't care, God. This is what I believe. And if I believe it, you do it. And if you don't do it, I will get grumpy. Or I won't witness anybody anymore. Or I won't read my Bible, so take that. Or I won't pay my tithes and the church will go broke. You can't threaten God. You can't talk God into things. The best thing to do with God is submit to him. Don't demand, but believe. It's possible. Come on, just whisper to your neighbor. It is possible.
It's possible that God can do anything. Absolutely. When Jesus come walking up to Lazarus' grave, they were all sitting around saying, what's going to happen here? And Jesus had to call out the name Lazarus for the resurrection lest everybody that was dead came forth at the same time. Jesus said, Lazarus, only you, you only. The only dead person coming out right now, his name is Lazarus. Lazarus! <laughs> yeah! Come out! Ho! Oh, this is awesome! Unwrap him! Woo! I can give my testimony for the rest of my life. But you know what? Lazarus died later on. He's not still alive today in church. Lazarus, stand up. Here I am. He's dead. He was resurrected for a testimony, a time period. But he still experienced death later on. The only way to break death is the resurrection. All things... Are possible. So the heart says, I can go there. I could believe. I'm not going to give up my believing. I'm not going to give up the miracle. Number three, the believing heart expects unbelief to be temporary. Mark 9, 24, another famous scripture. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears. Remember, the father of the child and the child needs a miracle, bona fide miracle, supernatural touch. And the father knows. And Jesus says to the father, well, do you believe? The father, thank God for this man in the Bible, because he's the only one that says this in all of scripture. The father says, you know, Jesus, I believe. She says, you do. Now, remember. The miracle for his child is resting on his words. Jesus, I do, I do, I believe. Can you imagine? Of course you can if you've gone through it. It's your faith that's on the line and you would do anything. You would do anything for that healing or that answer for that child of yours. She says, do, do you believe? I do, I do. And then the father comes right back with this famous phrase. I believe. Help my unbelief. I didn't want to take a chance. He says, Lord, I, I believe, but there's part of me that's still rolling around inside of here. And I want to be very honest just in case that one part will cancel the miracle. So I believe and help my unbelief. Everyone say it with me. I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. Believe. There's always that tension. Always. Now, here's a prayer I'd like you to pray out loud with me. I call this the struggling soul prayer. Are you ready? Let's pray this out loud. Struggling soul prayer. I think you'll identify with the words. It is useless to conceal from you, mighty God and mighty healer, the unbelief that still struggles in my heart, mine. But that heart bears one witness that I do believe in you. And if distrust still remains, I disown it. I wrestle with it. I seek help. How many can say amen to that? See, it's not a sin to say, God, help me. Because I'm, I'm having a tough time with this. I know the Bible says, I know, I know, but I struggle. The believing heart understands unbelief can be temporary, it can be removed from your heart. You can pray the struggling prayer and God will minister to you. Number four, the believing heart expects God to do something. 
Matthew 9, 28, when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Jesus likes to start a lot of miracles with questions. Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, well, sure you are. Yes, Lord. He touched his, their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes. He said, okay. Next, the believing heart expects to possess what the mouth confesses. Mark eleven twenty three. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, again, if you lived in the Christian life longer than a week, you will run into some problem taking that verse wholesale and applying it to everything. I can have whatever I say. I say this. I say that. I say this. I say that. And I say this. Come my way now. doesn't work that way. You actually cannot have everything you say because if you say you want another man's wife, you can't have her. If you say you want to sin in this, you can't do it. If you say you want to cheat over here, you're not supposed to do that. If you say you can't have everything your flesh or your carnal man says, and you can't even have everything your spiritual man says. You might be sitting there and, and saying, okay, speak to the mountain. I speak that Pastor Frank be removed of the pastor, and I become the pastor starting next weekend. It probably ain't going to happen. I want to be the worship leader starting next weekend. In Jesus' name, I say, Donna, be gone like a mountain. Fly into the sea. I doubt if Donna's going to fly into the sea, and next week you're going to be up here leading worship, saying, I said it. It happened. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Can't have everything you say. You can only have what you say that is in the word, according to the word, and according to the will of God. James speaks about this. Those who ask amiss. Next. The believing heart expects to receive with open hands. Next, the believing heart expects to create something out of nothing. Next, the believing heart expects to triumph in spite of it all. Last, the believing heart expects to abound with God's expectations. Did you get all those down? Okay, I'll leave them up so you can write them down and you don't sin against me with your mind. All right, because I got to wrap this up. The believing heart expects to receive something out of nothing. Read Romans chapter 4. God can create a miracle for you where there's nothing in sight for the miracle to happen. It's a fact. God wants you to triumph in spite of what's on your mind and your heart over your life. God has a lot of expectations for you to abound with. There's a number of them you could write down. God wants you to expect that he will use you in an awesome, mighty, peculiar, unique, wonderful way. God wants you to expect that you will bear fruit all the days of your life. You will have influence in the kingdom of God and you will touch people's lives for Jesus. God wants you to expect the blessing of the Lord upon your finance, blessing of the Lord upon your prayers, the blessing of the Lord upon your witnessing, the blessing of the Lord upon your compassion. You should expect to touch the poor and the widow. You should expect to touch the needy. There should be an expectation of you for your own life to lift yourself up and say, there's a lot more for me what I've done so far. Can I hear an amen? Just spread your hands toward heaven right now. Father God, here we are this morning. 
Lord, we lift up holy hand to you because you are our God. You are able to do awesome and mighty things in our lives. Lord, once again, we ask for the Holy Spirit to breathe on us and through us. Lord, those that might be away from you this morning and don't even know you, they would call upon the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I have no expectation for eternity or for salvation, but I do this morning. I can see that I need Christ in my life. You call on the name of Jesus. Lord, for those who need to be healed of the numbness, for those who need to have new open doors in their life, for those who need to have brand new, totally new expectation to overwhelm their spirit, lift them up this morning. Pour into us by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said a big amen.